0: I can't burp out loud. That's not my why? style.
1: There it is. That's the best I can do. That was a good one. <laughs> I bury big fancy radio people that never tell you to burp into the microphone. <laughs> That's why I'm more fun.
0: <laughs> it's really true. <laughs>
1: And remember, this podcast is not safe for work, so listen with headphones.
0: Hello and welcome to Freudian
1: Sips, the podcast about brains, beverages, and other BS.
0: I'm Bonnie and I'm Irina. and is this your new voice?
1: Maybe it's my radio voice. <laughs> Sounds like you have something in your mouth. But. It's like you're, you have to like put your lips like around your teeth. <laughs> Just.
0: It's not really easy to understand. Okay. I have to tell you. Okay, so. Thank you
1: for the criticism. I, I accept it. I will use my regular voice. Thank you. You're
0: welcome. I appreciate that. You're just a classy, classy chick today with your little sipper, straw, <laughs> wine glass.
1: I expected mom to make fun of this. I have this uh, very crazy colored, crazy straw glass mm-hmm. and I thought mom would make fun of it and then instead she wants it. She was asking me where I got mm-hmm. it.
0: Silly straw.
1: It's a silly straw. With a
0: very colorful glass. It was it's very like artsy-fartsy. Built
1: into the glass. It's, it's the best money can buy and that money is $1. <laughs>
0: And drinking dry wine out of a straw sipper cup is a very classy move, Anna. Yeah,
1: thank you. Thank you. I try.
0: Your mother must have been a classy act.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I learned it all from watching you, except the dry wine bit. Yeah, mine that would be not sweeter. Yours. I would have
0: a little white zinfandel in that glass. I, I thought you were still on the Kool-Aid kick. Oh we, no. We, we carried the that. Kool-Aid as far we as we could go. <laughs> we did. Although I'm going to request that in future. Yeah? I think yeah, it's it was good. one of my top 5 drinks now. <laughs>
1: yeah, of all cool. the all the so many drinks we've done, that <laughs> Dear, was top five. 5. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> so what's happening? What's the haps? What's we got the any haps? pre-roll
0: Stick a little bit. Today.
1: A little bit. We've got a couple new reviews. We are still doing our sticker giveaway. If you're new to the cast, we are doing a promotion right now where if you give us a review and you email us at freudian sipspod at gmail.com, email us like a picture of the review and your address, we will send you a sticker for free. You
0: have to send us your address because otherwise we don't know where to send the sticker. So that's otherwise, a pretty important important part I, of the puzzle.
1: Yeah we, we just won't be able to. We'll have right. to go door to door and say hello does this person live here? And then <laughs> give them a sticker when we world. find you. Like Santa. And the stickers are very cool. They're yeah very we just cool. got the stickers in. They're very cool. They, they're die cut stickers so they're sh- cut in the shape of our logo and our mm-hmm. title and it looks mm-hmm. very neat. I'm pleased.
0: There are pictures of it on the
1: on the Instagram and the Twitter I believe.
0: And on the Facebook. Really? You posted something. I'm still on top
1: of things. I know. Listen,
0: I don't even know where I I saw it like reposted on Facebook, so I was pretty impressed. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. all right so we have one review that did not ask for a sticker they're just giving it to us out of the goodness for free, of their for hearts. free for free didn't even cost us a sticker hmm. it's from the user brit eliza and it's a five-star review and the title is great podcast this mother-daughter podcast is a delight to listen to not only do they have a sweet dynamic they are also informative but not too serious i highly <laughs> recommend <laughs> yeah that's an understatement I highly recommend this podcast to anyone who knows a little about psychology and wants to get more into it in a fun way. I will be a regular listener. Thank you so much. Aw.
0: I love when someone says we're sweet.
1: <laughs> we have That's such like a sweet like one of my favorite
0: dynamic. adjectives <laughs> is sweet. Sweet and cute. So thank you
1: for that review. That was awesome. And then we have another five star from O oh Snap Ari. And she asked for a sticker. So, Aria, if you're listening, we will be sending you a sticker. Post-haste! With through the post office. Through the post (laughs) service. (laughs) (laughs) And the title is, Informally Educational. I love relearning everything in such a fun way. I heard the podcast mentioned on SSR. That means sip, survive, repeat. So, thanks girls. And have been listening regularly since. Bonnie and Anna keep me laughing the whole time and I walk away having actually learned something. (laughs) That's awesome. We love tricking people into learning. (laughs) It's our favorite thing. It's one of our missions. It's one of our missions. Yes. Uh, And this is kind of a broad thing. While I'm searching for emails looking for your addresses Mm -hmm. I also just want to send out an invitation to email us with like questions that you've had about episodes or questions that you just want answered about psychology in general I would really like to start doing mailbag episodes basically where we answer like we sometimes when we do these episodes we kind of have to skim through information because there's a lot of info about everything we talk about Mm -hmm. so I get the impression sometimes that we are just hitting kind of the mile markers and not really looking at any any of the details, so if you guys have any questions about things we've talked about, as always, if you have ideas about what we should talk about in the future, mm-hmm. send us those, and we'll we'll go more into depth about some of the things that you want to know about, especially about things we've already mentioned, right. things we've already done episodes on. So if
0: you were like listening to a podcast and we just skimmed over yeah. something that you really thought, we're like, oh, want
1: Yeah, want more information? If you're like, hey, you mentioned this study, what? Tell us more about that yeah. because we love talking about research, guys. <laughs> My favorite thing is talking about studies. Is that sarcasm? Maybe a little, a little bit, a little bit of sarcasm. So yeah, just just email us. Any, I love getting emails. And that's just just <laughs> tell us, just talk
0: to us, and just be like, hey, if you love have you. some weird questions about like you know
1: life, yeah. If you want us to go full Fraser, send us like questions. A problem? About, yeah. yeah, that would
0: we want. It. That's kind of our goal. <laughs> We want to be Frasier. We want to be Frasier. I've actually been watching Frasier on um, Netflix like every night before I go to bed.
1: Just to get you in the spirit? (laughs) I don't know. I just,
0: I used to watch it when it was actually on whenever that was. Well, when was that? Like the 80s. I don't know when that was. It was 90s. Long time ago. But it's kind of fun to watch it again and say, I want to do that. I want that to be us. Yes, we could We could definitely do it as well as Frasier did it. I can tell you that. Because <laughs> like, some of the advice and things he says to people is like,
1: oh watching my F- goodness. Yeah, watching Fraser's really funny because the shtick of the show is like, here's this, you know, doctor of psychology and he gives all these people this advice and then his personal life is so off the rails. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching that before I was a counselor and being like, that's so unrealistic. Real <laughs> counselors wouldn't be so weird. <laughs> Stop. and messed up <laughs> listen having and been in then, the biz for a while oh yeah <laughs> that show got the nail on the head yeah but it all turned
0: out okay usually. It all comes out okay in the end. It always like happily ever after kind of stuff.
1: Speaking of happily ever after mom. Yes Anna. What are we talking about today?
0: Today we're going to talk about the psychology of attraction.
1: Attraction. Now that's
0: a pretty broad term. Yeah this is. (laughs) Like you could be attracted to like I don't know what certain pieces of art you could be attracted <laughs> to certain rugs kind of clothing. for some reason just rugs
1: <laughs> yeah like wow that's a really <laughs> fancy rug we're not talking about that you mean like that. rug on the floor like a rug that a,
0: a person is wearing on their head like a rug Oh, like a the toupee. Slang, yes. Oh, okay. Our brain went in two different directions. <laughs> I
1: mean, well, that's
0: because I was thinking about being attracted to someone, and if they had an attractive rug on their head. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if that person has just the hottest toupee you've ever seen, that blows
0: up in the breeze when. No, because now time. we're talking about been... Trump. Oh, okay. No, no. Right. <laughs> just no. But we are. We're gonna kind of hone in a little bit on. Basically being attracted to another human.
1: Yes. This is going to be like a fun fact episode, I feel like. Yes, yes, I (laughs) agree. This is very much just like we're going to talk about some cool pieces of attraction. Mm -hmm. And this is definitely going to be one of those things that if you hear something that we talk about that we just skim past and you're like, I actually want to know more about that specifically, Mm -hmm. tell us. Because otherwise, we're just going to go.
0: We're just going to go. I think, can can we disclaimer in the very beginning that... We did both look up a lot of research, so to speak, Um, and I put that in quotes, air quotes that you guys can't see (laughs) when you're listening to the podcast, but it's because this particular topic is pretty, like Anna said, kind of like,
1: Uh, yeah,
0: yeah, it's not like deep research.
1: There's a lot of studies about it. There
0: are a lot of studies, and I guess that's where I was going with that. I noticed that almost a lot of the studies that I read specifically said that their test subjects were heterosexual.
1: Yes, that was going to be my disclaimer yeah, as well. Yeah, and so
0: so I have to say that as we go through some of this, a lot of it, I know a lot of the stuff I have is pretty heterosexual specific. Mm-hmm. So
1: And to jump off of that, that it is specific to heterosexuals but also there's a lot of talk about gender binary in this. So we're going to be doing a lot of talk about both genders and either gender. And we know now from science that gender is more of a spectrum so the language that we're using in this is not you know end-all be-all what i believe about gender it's just kind of how the research is phrased and
0: how it's presented right yeah so, so
1: keep that in mind right. as you listen
0: keep that on your back burner.
1: Keep that in the back of your brains.
0: So there are different kinds of attraction, Anna.
1: Tell us about them, Mom. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let me tell you about the different kinds of attraction. The first one's the one that I think most of us think when we hear the word and we we know we're talking about people being attracted, we think about sexual attraction. Right. Right. And that we just basically I know that one of the one of the articles I was reading was like basically it means you're hot for somebody. <laughs> so, yeah, you want to you want to jump somebody's bones. That's so.
1: science. That's <laughs> Coming right from science, <laughs> jumping bones.
0: So yeah, the sexual attraction is what it exactly what it says. It's basically that we are attracted to someone and we have a desire to have sex with that person. Mm-hmm. So that's the first kind of attraction. We're gonna we're gonna go deeper into each of these or around some of these as we go through. The second one is is romantic attraction, which when I hear that I'm kind of like, isn't that kind of the same? But it's really not.
1: No, not it's really. really. Not. They so, often overlap.
0: Yeah. And that's a very good way to say it. Overlap. Um, it is separate from sexual attraction. You you might have romantic feelings for somebody and not really be sexually attracted to them. It's a type of attraction where you want to be in a relationship with that person. Um, you know, you want to do the romantic stuff with them we'll and you
1: hold hands. yeah, and
0: read each other poems, and walk on the beach and all that stuff. A big part of this too that's going to kind of be woven in throughout is that we all have. If you even go back to the sexual attraction thing. You can be sexually attracted to someone, but we all have different levels of wanting to have sex some of us are more sexual beings libido. libido i guess i don't know where what word i should throw in there we all have different sex drives yeah
1: that's a good yeah way to say it.
0: so you might be sexually attracted to somebody it doesn't mean that you want to constantly have be lots of it. sex with them yeah. right right so that's a that's something that's also on a spectrum right. so boy there's all kinds of spectrums there's in just this.
1: spectrums all over that's really true there's just listen <laughs> It's all a spectrum. So there's a, a f- spectrum of spectrums.
0: <laughs> so you can be romantically attracted and not necessarily want to have sex with that person. But, but as Anna said, it quite often overlaps or feeds into each other with those two. Then there's something they call physical attraction. Don't these all kind of sound yeah. alike? Physical attraction is also sometimes called sensual attraction. Not sexual, but sensual. Mm -hmm. And there is a difference between those two, obviously. You know, you can get very sensual with your food. With, you know, with, (laughs) (laughs) well, okay, maybe it's just me that does that. I don't know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I have all kinds of attraction to my food. It's weird. People don't let me eat in restaurants anymore. So a physical attraction, that's that's where we are. Are
0: we sensual? No, sensual. What,
1: how did I get there? I think you said sensual was physical.
0: That's what I said. Okay. <laughs> I got went off on the food thing. And I, <laughs> but we're in physical. We we're also in physical. haven't eaten It's dinner, also called, so like, that's <laughs> true. Like pizza would be very sensual <laughs> <Yeah>. right now. <laughs> yeah. So physical attraction is a desire. <laughs> Don't spit your wine out sensual on your computer. pizza,
1: gross. <laughs> also indie it's, band name sensual pizza. <laughs> but you got to remember,
0: sensual is not sexual. I know, I know, so, I know. Yeah, don't get grossed out. Okay, I'm not
1: grossed out. I think it's I want to start band.
0: Okay. So your physical attraction is a desire to be around certain people um, and physically cared for and treated with love and affection. So this can obviously, it happens within romantic relationships, but it doesn't necessarily have to be romantic relationship. Because under this category even falls that we just have that need to be physical with yeah, people. sure. So we like to be hugged. We like to be, you know, held. Yeah. We like to hold hands with our children, with our parents, with our, you know,
1: And that, friends. I mean, that's individual too, that there are people who have way larger personal bubbles than other people. Like, I really don't want to be touched by anyone. Absolutely.
0: And that's a really good point, again, that, you know, you maybe have friends... I'm going to call myself out on this. I am a very physical person. Mm -hmm. Like I touch people a lot. Right. I try as a counselor. I have to remember that obviously when you're a counselor, you don't get physical with people unless you have really read the room and you know that that's what they need. But in my own, like with friendships, you know, Mm -hmm. I do hug people and I pat people on the arm and stuff like that. (laughs) Kiss them. Square on the (laughs)
1: lips. All the time.
0: (laughs) Everyone. That's one thing I do not do. (laughs) So physical attraction is just kind of that need to be physically close, that attraction. And we can have that with really good friends. That's not a sexual thing. It's that you want to just be close to them. Mm -hmm. And then we have emotional attraction. This is where you want to be emotionally present with another person. You want to share with them the things that you're feeling and you feel close to them emotionally. You feel like you can be open with them. And I'm sure that you you have friends that are like, you know, you feel like you can open up to yeah. that you're emotionally attracted to. You're kind of on the same wavelength.
1: You just are more compatible with them. Right.
0: So, so you can probably think of people that you do connect with emotionally and other people that you don't cuz there are some people you meet and you're like oh man you're like not clicking yeah that is some nope. that is some not shallow water it. right yeah. there not not about it <laughs> not doing it and the last official kind of attraction although there are subcategories of all of these <laughs> things but aesthetic attraction and that's just being attracted the way someone looks and that doesn't mean you necessarily have to want to have sex with them or you want to have a romance with them or you even want to touch them physically you just look at them and go damn beautiful yeah Yeah. (laughs) beautiful person absolutely and so this is that situation where Even if you are a a heterosexual woman, you can look at another woman and say, she is beautiful. Yeah. You know, or a man can look at another man and say, damn, he's sexy. Yeah, I think in
1: our culture, there's this block about that where it's like, I, if I'm a heterosexual person, I cannot talk about the the same sex as being attractive Mm -hmm. right especially like dudes with the no homo thing i think you get that but i don't know that's sad i think we should be able to talk about that more freely right right
0: and i do think that as a society we've evolved in that yeah
1: that women it's getting a little more open yeah
0: yeah people your age are more likely to be able to do that i would say so, we just appreciate the beauty of someone right. um, and we are attracted to that beauty. You just look at them and are like, "Wow, you mm-hmm. know, um, so there's the obviously that could lead to a sexual attraction or physical attraction or what whatever other yeah. category, but that that is in itself just a separate category, yeah, so the point is there are different kinds of attraction,
1: right, and they often play with each other, but mm-hmm. a lot of them are separate, and they can be separate, right. So,
0: for the bulk of what we're going to talk about today, we're talking about attraction to a mate, basically. Yeah. Or yeah. To that's a partner. A good, yeah,
1: that's the correct way to say it. Okay. Actually, a lot of that has to do with our evolution just as humans, and how we have learned to find mates that will allow us to procreate in a way that keeps the species going in even a better way than before. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Hilariously, for straight guys, one of the biggest problems is that women ovulate, like, privately. (laughs) So (laughs) other primates... How dare we do that? Basically, (laughs) other primates broadcast it. Other primates have external signs on when they're ovulating. And this is a problem (laughs) because... A person's fertility is a big marker we use to subconsciously choose a mate. One thing I saw said that a lot of makeup trends are due to broadcasting youth and health and that kind of associates with fertility. Absolutely. So things like hair coloring and lipstick, blush... And I think this is also something that is changing with our culture because makeup is more of an art form now. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's makeup tutorials and there's, you know, people doing really cool things with makeup that are not meant to just be like everyday wear. I mean, it's becoming much more of a self-expression. So I don't know if like sparkly purple eyelids are an indication of youth and health. I well, think it just looks cool. And this
0: goes back to, again, that it's not just a feminine thing or yeah. a, a woman thing or however yeah. you want to word that.
1: No, oh, yeah. There it's are, not
0: what it used to be.
1: Like we have a cover girl that's a guy now right, and stuff right. like that. So it's it's more of a just, hey. Art
0: form is a great way to say it. Yeah. yeah. You can
1: put a thing on your face and make your face look different and make it look cool. Mm-hmm. And that's, that doesn't matter with gender. <laughs> you can just do that. You can just do it. There are more concrete things about a person that a potential mate might look at for and associate look look for (laughs) look at for, and associate for with (laughs) fertility as well. Also, (laughs) into that, and I've had two sips of wine, three more sips, and then
0: continue.
1: Tired. <laughs> but things we look for when we're thinking about providing for a family and creating a family, and this goes to both genders, and a
0: lot of this is subconscious.
1: Oh yeah, almost all of it. I was going to say
0: because um, I I can't think of a time where in my youth that I would look at a man and go, he will provide me with healthy children.
1: <laughs> ah yes, <laughs> yes we will procreate very well. <laughs>
0: I kind of doubt that a lot of people are thinking that way. But. That
1: is something that you said throughout my entire life. Whenever oh I, like, god, I hate where crush, you start a
0: sentence with that. Whenever
1: I had a crush on someone, you'd be like, "You guys would make cute babies."
0: Cute babies, yeah. Like, That's because I was looking forward to grandchildren someday. Like, so you I'm know, I'm
1: 16. <laughs> I'm 12, mom. I'm 12. <laughs> can you not? <laughs> I was trying to be a little a little more gentle with it, but yeah, you would say that when I was 12.
0: Ooh. Motherhood is taking a beating today.
1: <laughs> there was a study about the curvature of women's backs. I think I, f- I feel like I said that to you. You said it to
0: me. Yeah. So tell our our sipster well, friends. I didn't
1: write a lot about it. It was like researchers hypothesized that pregnancy shifts a woman's center of gravity forward more, mm-hmm. and so men subconsciously look for like a curve of the lower back. Mm-hmm. That would minimize the pressure on like the hips and the back for when they're pregnant.
0: It kind of goes with the whole hip thing. Yeah, that the that men prefer women who have smaller waist and bigger hips. Right, because that's because a childbirth a child, hips. Yeah, childbearing hips. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even though that's subconscious, there are a lot of men who prefer. I mean, if they would just look at women, they prefer a woman who has a small waist and bigger hips. Right probably larger breasts.
1: Well, and it's that interesting because I, I think especially with this generation, like, we're becoming more open to the prospect of mm-hmm. not having children. Mm-hmm. But I think our mate selection is so ingrained in our hardwiring that we often choose people for fertility reasons and for procreation reasons, even if we are making a choice not to have children. And I think more people are in this day and age. So
0: see, this conversation right now is so... had or a sexual bias oh yeah for sure yeah because I, I don't know how all of that would play into. Well, that's what I just felt like, whoa, right then. Like, yeah, whoa. I like, so, we are really talking about heterosexual
1: attraction. So, I did find a study because I went out specifically to look for LGBT stuff. Uh huh. And
0: was not easy.
1: No. Yeah, I, I really looked too. Couldn't. I couldn't
0: find hardly anything. I found anything.
1: one study from 2016 that said they uh, gave heterosexual and homosexual people pictures of potential mates and told them to put them in like a yes, no, and maybe pile. Mm-hmm. And that they said that gay people put more photos in the maybe pile, but less photos in the no pile than straight people did. Huh. And they said that that could be like a practical reason that just when you're gay, there's there's not as much options.
0: Right. It's,
1: it's limited. So you kind of have to keep your options open more.
0: Or it could be that they're not as drawn to the whole reproduction thing maybe. subconsciously.
1: Maybe. They said that attraction patterns of gay males were more similar to that of straight females than they were to that of straight males. So they, they hypothesized that that means that attraction patterns are more due to the gender that a person is attracted to rather than the gender that they are.
0: Right. That makes
1: sense. So that was kind of the only specific one I found. That was better than I did. I mean, there's not a lot just in general. For, for women, going back to the kind of looking for good health, And Uh prosperity, I don't know. Uh, (laughs) Women are drawn to traits in men that indicate good health and what is seen as the ability to provide. So things like broad shoulders, narrower hips, a strong jaw. And this is where I, as a strong, independent woman, start start (laughs) to be like, I don't need no man to provide for me. Like, why? I don't need to look for that stuff. But if it's hardwired into us, it's hardwired. It's hard to get away from that. I just, I just want to be like, no, I don't need that. Stop it. No. Can I throw in something about men's
0: smiles and their beards? do. can i throw in something about attractiveness of men. A Canadian study found that while obviously most people look for, pe- you know, that's kind of one of those things that people always say, I look for somebody with a nice smile. Mm-hmm. Everybody's looking for a nice smile. But this study showed that if men smile too much... They were actually a turn off because they kind of crossed a line where they didn't trust them because they smiled. <laughs> <laughs> that smile you have, Anna, would turn off anyway. How'd uh? you describe this smile? <laughs> it looks like a grimace.
1: It looks like, like I'm like burying all of my teeth. I can see your gums, like burying up in your gums. Yeah,
0: that's a scary smile. <laughs> so the study actually showed that sometimes males who didn't smile as much we're more attractive to women however it's the opposite for women because Mm -hmm. women need to smile for men to be attractive you'd be prettier if you smiled that's oh (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this does push some buttons i know
1: right (laughs) this is rough but this was
0: the the footnote that really burned me you ready this (laughs) i think i said this to you the other day
1: take a big drink (laughs)
0: The same study showed that men were least attracted to women who, quote, looked proud and confident, end of quote. Oh! Oh!
1: Then they That's can painful. suck it! <laughs> <laughs> but how about beards? Beards, you know. <laughs> how, about, how about beards? Do beards like it when we're proud and confident? was <laughs> not at all where I was going with that. Pronouns are important. <laughs> I'm As any about, LGBT person would I, tell you, pronouns I are I know. Important.
0: I'm still learning those things. But um, <laughs> yeah, my my late husband often wore a beard. And there were times that I liked. <laughs> wore a beard. Wore a beard on his I know, face. I know that's probably
1: the correct way to say it. <laughs> Grew I just, a beard. I, I don't okay, know I I just say it. No, wore a beard is correct. I just picture him like waking up in the morning and Put like it putting on. <laughs> it on. It like hooked over his ears. Yeah. Like one of those Santa Claus get-ups. <laughs>
0: And I liked when he would keep it kind of short, and I I Mm -hmm. liked him in a beard. But in the winter, he would often let it grow really long, like because he was from Wisconsin, so he liked to have a big bushy beard in the winter. And that was not very pleasant. (laughs) It was not pleasant to kiss a man with that big of a beard. But that's basically as well what the study showed. There was a study that was published in the Journal of Evolutionary Biology um, that showed that heterosexual women are naturally attracted to men with some beard the study concluded that men with stubble oh yeah those little yeah yeah, uh or some small degree of facial hair were deemed more attractive if they're scruffy looking nerve herders (laughs) something like that the males considered least attractive were those who were clean shaven Ouch.
1: That's rough.
0: And those with large, bushy beards, like oh, Bob used so to grow like in the winter. Oh, so there's like a sweet spot where, Right, right in the middle where you just have a little bit of like a, like a five o'clock five shadow. Five o'clock shadow. Uh-huh. Yeah. That is a really big social thing now, to yeah. have just that stubble, you know...
1: Yeah, it as is, long as it's well, say it's
0: sexy. It is whatever that is. It shows that their testosterone do, is like going when Nathan or something. Has a
1: little bit of stubble, the scruff. He's always like, I should yeah. shave, and I'm like, you should. No, 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 <laughs> no you should keep
0: the scruff. Keep the scruff.
1: And we're okay. also programmed to look for things like symmetrical faces as ah. well. That is a marker of good genetics. And also, like we we look at, and that goes to that aesthetic. Thing as well that we can look at someone with a more symmetrical face and think they look prettier
0: right um, one of the things that I read about symmetry was that <laughs> the symmetry of our face is attached to the oxidative stress during development as a uterus as a, uterus. <laughs> as a, <laughs> as a we fetus we all start off in with the uteri <laughs> and then we just grow arms and legs and I've only had one beer so I cannot <laughs> blame the alcohol at all. So, okay, let's let me say that I, again. Oxi-
1: oxidative.
0: what? Oxidative stress what during development in the uterus. It says the more a fetus is exposed to free radicals, are those? Which antioxidants in certain foods are supposed to protect against. You know, like when you're when you have a, or having a baby and you have to drink certain things and eat certain things. Sure. It says the more oxidative stress they experience, the less symmetrical you huh. will turn out. So it's kind of a signal like one of those subconscious evolutionary things, that there's some DNA damage there, like if you're not symmetrical. So that goes back to that thing that that other things support, that we are subconsciously, because of our evolution, looking for those with the best DNA to reproduce. We're looking
1: at genetic markers that are So part of that
0: symmetry, besides just being aesthetic, and you look at it and say, oh, they're really pretty or handsome, Mm -hmm. it's supposedly a subconscious thing that says, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, The DNA in that person is maybe like, not so had good. They too much oxidative yeah. stress. Oxidative. oxidative 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 stress.
1: Sure, How easy. Much for oxygen? You to say. I don't
0: know. I don't know what that means. Okay. And that
1: external part goes even to things like smell. Um, there's a lot about smell in attraction. Smell is important. Um, there are legit science reasons why we're attracted to how someone smells.
0: So wait, before you talk about the legit reasons.
1: Can we talk about unlegit reasons? Can't you what? just
0: jump in that? I mean, can, I because mean, to me, smell is really important. Yeah. And I definitely, through my lifetime, have noticed that I'm more attracted to certain people, certain men, because of their smell.
1: Sure. Our body chemistry is attracted right. to certain smells. And it's not just
0: what cologne they're wearing, or because I've seen some some jokes about, you know, Axe body spray and all that. And no, I it's mean,
1: their personal brands. Yeah. And not it's the like smell farts. that
0: happen. <laughs> and that would probably be the opposite. If you're
1: attracted to someone's farts, stay <laughs> with that. them forever. Because that's the top of their brand. That's, wow. Wow. <laughs> Can I go into the legit science business now? I just
0: wanted to stamp, you know, put my stamp of approval on on anecdotal stamp of approval. Because I think that's a big deal.
1: Yeah. So, especially women can sense something called major histocompatibility complex molecules. Good job. Thank you. We call them MHC in the biz. Uh, in the researching this episode biz, in the smell biz, biz, in the sniff-sniff test biz, that these are proteins that are released into the air that give us an indication of someone else's immune system. Mm -hmm. Now, this is interesting because we tend to choose people who our spidey senses tell us have the opposite immune system than ours, because that means our offspring will be getting like the best of both of those immune systems.
0: That's kind of so, like the opposites attract on a molecular level.
1: Right, right. That's so, so cool. So that is kind of, that's why we are attracted more to certain people's smells.
0: Mm-hmm. And further kind of into that same waiting pool that you were just in with the scent. when the we, smelly, smelly when waiting smelly smell. Get
1: in, the water is smelly.
0: <laughs> I don't know if you ever thought about this when you kissed your significant other, but the kissing is a big deal. Not only is it like when you first kiss a person... For the first time, I don't know if any of you have had this experience where you kiss somebody and you're like, nope. (laughs) Nope, we're done. Nope. No second date for you, dude. (laughs) Because of technique. But it's more than that because sometimes we kiss somebody and we, and that's where that, what is it? MHC is even more pronounced because if you think about how your tastes is connected to your smell. Oh, it's all in, that, it's all in yeah. that. Yeah, right there. They can't see us doing these things with we our hands. We are motioning
1: with our <laughs> nose, hands mouth, to our nose and mouth. Yes.
0: And when you kiss somebody, you got to think about that because you, you, you guys have probably all experienced either having a very nice kiss with someone who had nice breath and nice smell, and it's a pleasant experience. And you maybe have had a bad experience where you kiss somebody <laughs> and it was like mm, not so good. Oh man. Yeah. yeah. Maybe a little not so great breath or whatever.
1: Too slobbery. Yeah. I don't think that has to do with genes, but uh, (laughs) but, maybe. (laughs) Yeah,
0: that would be technique. But your subconscious picks up, again, the scent during a kiss. And so kissing is not only a way to bond, which is obviously what we do when we kiss someone, and it, it kicks all those endorphins in. But also it's our subconscious, our scientific-y part of us starts to figure out that DNA thing that Anna was talking about. Right.
1: And that's so weird to think about that we are actively like ruling people out because of their genetics. Right. Because that's so far beyond what we think about consciously. Exactly. (laughs) so but our, but our bodies cooler, are doing all that yeah that's
0: that evolution thing that that has been built in
1: right can i talk about assortative mating yes. can i tell you what that is that's <laughs> a, i was going to
0: say that sounds very judgy sort of
1: it's a be. concept that couples tend to have correlated attractiveness levels oh yeah that's yeah. good. Talk yeah. about that.
0: I like so, that.
1: Whenever I hear this, I think of there's this house episode, House MD, <laughs> which I I talk about a lot on this show. I don't, I don't, I don't know why. why. You really like him. I do. You I like don't actually. Show. He's a horrible <laughs> you man. You love to hate him. I, it's a very interesting show. But there's this episode where he talks to the wife of one of his patients, and he's an average looking fellow, and she's a very hot woman. And so he's like, you can't be his wife. Like, you're you're sounds an eight. very
0: house. Yeah,
1: you're an eight, and he's a three. Like, and and she she has this line like, oh, so you're saying my marriage is a numerical error, and and all this stuff, but science holds that that is true we tend to go with people who are kind of are you know if, if you're a five your your spouse is probably going to be a, a five or like a six or a four like we're attracted to
0: like attractiveness
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> yes yes that's an easy way to say it uh this is only one of the only times that same-sex couples were mentioned specifically that this theory holds as well for mm-hmm. same-sex couples Which, I'm not even sure, like, where I read this, it didn't say how they got the attractiveness levels. Mm -hmm. Because I think attractiveness is very subjective. I was
0: just going to say, who's the scientist who said that's a five, that's a six. There's one
1: designated scientist who's like, she's a four, (laughs) he's a two, she's
0: an eight. Maybe it was house. Yeah, it was house. (laughs) He did it
1: all. When when there's an exception, so like when one person is way hotter than the other person, it's said that like it's often due to them knowing each other really well beforehand, uh-huh. before they became romantic. So it's kind of like their traits are overriding their looks.
0: So they've had other attraction, like intellectual yeah, attraction. exactly. And emotional, emotional closeness attraction. and yeah. all that stuff.
1: Yeah. And these similarities go beyond looks for sort of mating. According to a study at the University of Queensland in Australia, geneticists found strong correlations in genetic markers in more than 24,000 married couples. Holy crap. That's science, baby. That's a good study. That is. Like when, When we look at, if you're not in the psychology business, one of the main basic things you look at for a research study is how many people were involved. So the sample size. Twenty-four thousand is a pretty good sample size. That's a pretty good number. (laughs) Yeah, that's amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah. So again, twenty-four thousand—they had to like score the people. Twenty-four thousand couples they had to look at and go. That's just genetic testing.
1: They found correlations in genetic markers. Like you know when you watch like like those police shows and they're like matching the DNA.
0: So we pick someone who has like genetic markers, huh? Mm -hmm.
1: Which one you think we would do the opposite, like we did for the? New I system? was just
0: gonna say, wasn't that the opposite on the DNA? With I don't know, immune... I'm not a gene. <laughs> You're an Anna. I'm, in... <laughs> I'm an Anna. I don't get it. <laughs> I'm a Bonnie, not a gene. Oh. She's an Anna. Oh, not this a is bad
1: though. This is bad though because included in that. Is um, one study that found evidence that people with mental disorders like bipolar and schizophrenia are more likely to partner with others who have mental disorders uh, as well. And what we know about, sense. yeah, what we know about the genetics of, you know, and then
0: there's more. And exactly, then there's more. so
1: they're more likely to pass it on to the offspring. Mm. Seems like something that our genetics. Should have figured out by now. (laughs) Should have gotten right. Yeah. Oh, can I talk about something else that's going to make you man as a strong, independent woman? Okay. (laughs) I'm ready. There's a limit to assertive mating with men liking women who are smarter than them. Let's talk about it. A 2016 study had researchers analyzing What? Okay, I'm going to read you this sentence. Okay. For a 2016 study, researchers at the Warsaw School of Economics analyzed data from a Columbia University speed dating experiment. Why? <laughs> Whose study is this? <laughs> what was the economics have to do with this? <laughs> and why are they? Whose study? Okay. The one guys
0: were like, we can't count these. Let's send it to, to a school that has economics. This is numbers. So I'm a brain person.
1: I can't do numbers. My computer broke. I can't do numbers. (gasps) Ah. So there's speed dating. That's all you need to know about that sentence. And participants rated dates on a 10-point scale for physical attractiveness and intelligence. So they stated whether they'd want to meet the person again after the exercise was over. Both men and women preferred people who they rated high on both qualities, obviously. But men's interest in women's intelligence peaked at about a 7. A woman who is smarter than that the men didn't have any stronger desire to date her. In fact, someone scoring a perfect 10 in the brains department lowered uh, some men's interests. Uh-huh,
0: uh-huh, uh-huh. uh-huh. Because I read a- another study that I don't have in front of me, but it was about that same information kind of idea, and it might have even been, I don't remember the economic part of it, but but it was about how even if, if a person says, like what they found in the study was even if the men like they filled out something that would say. Oh,
1: and they're like, intelligence yeah. is really important Intelli- to me. I yeah. look for
0: intelligence in a woman. Oh, but then strong, when it actually incredible. came down to it, they didn't pick the women who were more intelligent. Mm-hmm. So yeah, ouch.
1: Sorry, guys, but ouch. ouch. From two extremely intelligent women. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, a- another study. <laughs> we're not
0: going to hide our bright light just because you don't no. like it.
1: No, it's dog. <laughs> Uh, another study had male participants reporting that they would like to be with a woman who was smart. So maybe this was the one you saw. Uh-huh. But even they even said like, oh yeah, I'd love it if they scored higher than me. On I think that is the one I saw, yeah. So when they actually took the math test while seated next to a woman <laughs> and then learned the woman had scored higher, they uh-huh. like stopped being attracted to her. Right. <laughs> Guys, don't. <laughs> and this is again one of those times that like, I don't know why that would be evolutionary. I think that that That's strikes society. That strikes me as more societal. Yeah,
0: yeah. Society has has made them feel like they have to be smarter than the women. Right. I believe that.
1: I mean, it's it's if you're if. You have the idea that you're supposed to be the provider. Yeah. Then I do think it, I do think with
0: lots of men, sorry guys, I'm calling you out. Yeah. That that kind of emasculating feeling, if a woman is a lot smarter than you, mm-hmm. um, by the same token, I think of myself as at least above average intelligence. You are. I do become, I am threatened by males who are way smarter than me. Like, I don't know if threatened is the right word. Like, I feel like I need to. To, to prove yourself yeah I have to be up there I think that's you know? being threatened
1: I'm yeah. threatened by anyone who's smarter than me yeah I, I just kill them <laughs>
0: <laughs> Shh, don't say that where people that's, could hear you that's say not true because my husband would be super dead <laughs> I was
1: gonna say Nathan is yeah. the smartest person I've ever met
0: he's very intelligent yeah yes Ideally, what we do for each other when we're in a relationship with someone who's smarter than us is we pull each other up. We
1: build them up. Yeah. yeah.
0: We. I, my dad, when I was a kid, I remember my dad saying, when you learn a skill, you want to be with someone who's better than you because it pulls you... Like he used the example of playing tennis, which... I don't know why I use that example. <laughs> what a weird skill to Nobody use. in our family played tennis, but, A very you know, <laughs> important skill for survival. <laughs> he was like, if you play tennis with someone who's a little better than you, then it'll you make better. you better. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you play somebody with, who's worse than you, you won't necessarily get better because mm-hmm. you'll be challenged to try to pull them up. Sure. So. But that's I, a
1: good thing, too, is challenging yeah. others to be better as right, well. I think right. that's a positive thing.
0: But I think being coupled with someone who's more intelligent than you, it, I think that's Good for us as long as there's not this thing in the relationship where the more intelligent person is condescending. Right. Because then it defeats the purpose right. of, of yeah. helping one another, of being in a relationship. Yeah. So chances are pretty good. That you're not going to be in a relationship with someone who is exactly your equal intellectually. No. One of you is probably going to be a little smarter than the other Well, that I one. like
1: one thing. I mean, I, I feel safe talking about this because I do think Nathan is way smarter than me. I also think we have different kinds of intelligence. Exactly. I mean, there's a whole bunch of different kinds of intelligence. I, I would say my intelligence goes more toward the emotional and creative side. And he just knows a lot about a lot. Playing trivia with Nathan. If you ever want to feel bad I about being yourself. being on his team. Oh my you're... God. Yeah. Being on his team is the only way to play you trivia. You just look at Nathan and go, what's the answer, dude? Just like a the question comes up and everyone just looks at him like, uh-huh. Yeah. What is it? it's just very I mean he's just he has a lot in his brain Mm. but I feel smarter when I'm with him because he is so smart so it's important to be with someone who is going to like you said bring you up to that level and help you be a better person not just in intelligence but with everything right find someone who's going to help you be a better person exactly but speaking of bad traits good traits negative traits positive traits yes let's talk about love being blind (laughs) about the love is blind uh there's this perception that when we're with someone we tend to downplay like their negative qualities and especially during the honeymoon stage when we first get with them and we're experiencing a little bit of like obsession infatuation Uh with that person turns out this is maybe due to a cognitive bias And cognitive, there's a lot of cognitive biases. We should do a whole episode on cognitive biases. We should. One of them is like sunk cost. That kind of goes beyond the honeymoon phase where like we've been with someone for a long time and then we feel like we maybe need to get out of the relationship. But we're like, but I've been with them for four years Uh and I can't. Like sometimes that can be a cognitive bias. But more so, there is one called the halo effect that when we think a person has a really good quality that's really evident that we are more likely to rate their other qualities as similarly high. Right. This is also known as the beautiful is good principle, where we tend to rate attractive people more favorably in terms of their characteristics. Ah. And several different studies have found this. Uh, they found that when we rate people as good looking, we tend to believe that they have positive personality traits and that they're more intelligent and all that good stuff. One study found that jurors were less likely to believe that attractive people were guilty of behavior. Oh my gosh. Attractiveness is a privilege. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. The halo effect also goes beyond just like using looks to inform how we see other traits like I saw some mention of a teacher like when they have a well behaved student they may be more likely to rate that student as brighter like smarter I can,
0: I can vouch for that
1: do you have any personal anecdotes as a teacher I share? can just say that
0: that's true that when when you have children who are very well behaved it's like you just expect them right. to be brighter and to score better and right. and then when they don't you're kind of like what
1: right we kind of yeah overly yeah. generalize yeah them. yeah
0: but I've had parents, this is a separate thing about the Halo thing, is the idea when people are in kind of a bad relationship and they will pick out one thing that, you know, he's such a good dad.
1: Right. Well, he's
0: a good dad, but he's also doing all these things right. really not good. Right. You know?
1: Yeah, we tend to try to put people on the same level in all areas Because that Mm -hmm. makes it easier for us to categorize them, really. Right, right. Like, they are a bad person or they are a good person. Right, right. It's like, that's not, people are way more gray than that. All right, can we talk about brain chemistry? Let's do that. Let's do it. One thing I want to stick in, and I think this is kind of the best area to, to fit it in, but I know that you and I were talking about this while we did the research. Helen Fisher, a biological anthropologist, made something called the anatomy of love test.
0: Anatomy of love. Anatomy
1: of love. <laughs> it it does sound like a Motown song or something, doesn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. She she theorized that we have four neural systems that underlie kind of our general characteristics. Um, These are the dopamine, serotonin, testosterone, and estrogen slash oxytocin systems. And it's basically like these different systems have different traits that they tend toward more. So dopamine dominant is curious, creative, and adventurous. And it says they are usually drawn toward fellow dopamine people. The uh-huh. dopaminer's.
0: The dopers. The do-
1: no. <laughs> oh, no, that's something different. No, that's a different thing. Uh, the serotonin dominant people are traditional and conscientious, and they're more rule-following, and they're also drawn toward people like themselves. But when it goes to testosterone dominant, so people who are analytical and skeptical and tough-minded... And estrogen dominant, who are nurturing and contextual and imaginative, they're usually drawn to each other. So they're usually drawn to the opposites. (laughs) You and I both took this test. Uh Will you talk about your, your scores or your results?
0: Mm, you i don't have them? it in front of me but i know that the nurturing thing was the number one for me right the nurturing so,
1: the, the estrogen thing was number one for me and the second highest thing was serotonin yeah that was how like mine was too traditional and rule following which i doesn't consider fit my, I, I was gonna say I I doesn't fit it you as me. much as it
0: fits me it fits me pretty i think well. i'm
1: more chaotic just kind of in my general vibe yeah. but i mean i also think rules are important i think that's what threw it off
0: but this it, but the scores were close, weren't they? They were pretty close. This reminded me a lot of the um It was very Briggs. MBTI.
1: Yeah, Myers-Briggs type indicator. Yeah. If you want to take this test, it's called the The anatomy of love.
0: Anatomy Just remember it like that.
1: Love. <laughs> the two of us <laughs> together flying high. Okay,
0: okay. All right. That's on the wings of love.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> Is that what that was? Yeah. Okay. Close enough. <laughs> But it's this uh, 56-question survey, and it's meant to measure, like, how many traits in each of these systems a person has. So, like, which neural system dominates your personality. Mm -hmm. And this is another one where they have a huge sample size that more than 14 million people have taken this survey. Good
0: lord. Yeah, because
1: they put it on chemistry.com and match.com. Ah. But this is cool. Fisher also used fMRI scanners to confirm that participants reported traits matched expected neural activity patterns. Wow. That's awesome. I I don't think she did that for all 14 million. No. But I think it's cool to say like, well, especially in the- It backed up her. Because like I said, we've done this test. It's a self-report test. And we've kind of talked before on the show about the notorious unreliability of self-report tests. Right. That we can be very biased to answer one way and the, the way that's like there's this social desirability factor that mm-hmm. goes into into self-report. So it's very interesting to me that the people who did this self-report test, their fMRI
0: matched it. Right. That is cool. I mean, that's... that shows that it's... Right. It has a lot. Of, would that be reliability? Which part of it? Sure.
1: The- <laughs> Yeah, reliability well, is. I like, hope our
0: professors aren't listening. Oh man, man. <laughs>
1: reliability is like when you get the same result every time. Right, so yeah, right. it's so yeah, that would kind of tie together. Yeah. yeah. So more generally attraction brain chemistry can be separated into a few different areas like different brain chemicals are, are active during different times of attraction. So during lust that is testosterone and estrogen and testosterone increases libido in everyone. Not just like I, it's not just like men have testosterone me, yeah, and women yeah. have we estrogen.
0: We hear that and we think of men We all we have, have it both. too.
1: Yeah. Uh, so testosterone if you have more testosterone, you typically present more masculine. So testosterone increases libido and estrogen increases sexual motivation. I don't know what the difference between that and libido is.
0: <laughs> I think it's like to reproduce.
1: I guess. It does I want say, to have a baby. <laughs> especially during the time of ovulation <laughs> right. that estrogen increases that. Yeah. So and then during the attraction phase, there is dopamine and norepinephrine, nore... Oh,
0: that's that's a doozy. Norepinephrine,
1: norepinephrine. norepinephrine. And serotonin. So dopamine and norepinephrine are reward center chemicals. Mm-hmm. So just when we do something good, Feels our brain good. gives Feels us the good. reward chemicals. Like, yeah. good job, squishy human. <laughs> Here are some good chemicals. Right. And it's released during attraction and the beginning of relationships and it induces like and and also decreased appetite and insomnia. That huh. seems bad, right? <laughs> Those things don't seem great. Right. I think it's more just like, I don't want to use the term manic. But kind of. Well, it's
0: that excitement that you feel. You don't want to eat as much. You don't want to sleep as much. you're just excited. You're just so giddy and you're so happy. And you're thinking of that person and you want to be with them. And yeah.
1: And serotonin is another chemical that's often associated with like well-being. It has to do with mood. It's kind of a mood regulator. Interestingly, people with OCD have lower serotonin levels. So some scientists thought that it's linked with the obsession of a new relationship. Huh because ocd is that's interesting yeah yeah. so so like maybe like lower serotonin it's harder to control the obsessions right right which is what ocd people have
0: that is very brain stuff so
1: brain and during attachment, and attachment doesn't have to be romantic. I mean, attachment, right. like we talk about familial attachment, is very right. important when we're talking about counseling. Uh, so during attachment, there's oxytocin and vasopressin. Oxytocin, I saw was called the cuddle hormone.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Cuddle hormone. That's what's really
0: released when you have intercourse, I, right? That's I know. when you, yeah, that's the that's the attached to the person on. I just had sex with
1: hormone. But you cuddle then, right? I <laughs> the guess. because that's Because <laughs> you don't want to let go of that person because now you're attached to but them. But these fire during precursors to bonding. Right. So this includes things like childbirth and breastfeeding. So mm. it doesn't have to be romantic or sexual. It's just attachment to right. anything. But even though it's all based in hormones, like we still like who we like this is not i often see when people are very cynical about love and they're like it's just dopamine you're just just dopamine you're (laughs) certain and like they speak very derogatorily about like it doesn't matter it's not a real feeling it's just the chemicals in your brain man don't listen to all those 14 year old edgelords talking about that (laughs) like everything is brain chemicals we can't it's not like it's reducing it to say that brain chemicals are involved
0: I think you can go both ways with that because I completely agree with you that there's
1: <laughs> talking about attraction.
0: <laughs> go both ways. Because I do I do agree that there are times that you're attracted to someone that you when you're being objective and you look at it and you go like I should not be attracted right. to this person. They are a butt, you know. Their immune
1: system must be amazing, but just (laughs) uh, wow! I
0: do, I do completely agree, and I mean I've had that life experience where I've been attracted to someone that I didn't like as a person,
1: right? But I kind of
0: wanted to jump their bones, you know, when I was much younger. Anna, don't worry, Um, I don't care. So I do completely believe in that, that chemical attraction that we have for people. On the other side of that, though, we are an evolved species. We can be attracted to someone and decide, is this someone I actually want to be attracted to right and and you can deny your physical urge to be with them if they're a robot right and walk away you know and the the idea of intellectual attraction and emotional attraction is such an important part of actually building a relationship Mm -hmm. so yeah we will be attracted to someone because of of that dna and the mc whatever mc squared mc (laughs) squared mc squared we will be attracted <laughs> to those people. But but then we make choices, which sure. we always go back to with right. our self-awareness that we make choices in life. So, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Indeed. Indeed. Do you have any other notes? I feel like I have one more thing. It's not really... I have I have one other
0: thing too, and it's not. It just kind of made me kind of sad that on one of the pages that I was reading about attraction and about falling in love, it said that if you whisper, this is really I don't know why I'm saying this. If (laughs) a person's left ear,
1: I saw that too. Did you see that?
0: If you whisper like sweet nothings into their left ear, it's more powerful than their right ear because I don't know. It has something neurologically that it's more sensitive if you use their left ear and it will they will retain that information longer and stronger they'll have a stronger connection to it so if you say i love you to someone in their left ear it's more powerful than saying it in their right ear which is not good for what my should late you say husband in the right ear
1: like, i don't know things you don't want them to remember i don't know <laughs> or like <laughs> like math things like yeah math probably. problems yeah
0: but bob my late husband was co- almost completely deaf in his left oh, ear. no! He wore hearing aids. And so I would, if I really wanted him to hear something, I would say it in his right ear. So, but he knew I loved him. Yeah, so I don't, I, I, guess it, I, I don't
1: think it means, <laughs> I don't think it means if you say it in the right ear, it they just totally, totally don't get it. Yeah,
0: yeah. But it's weird how our our body's biology is so intertwined with yeah. the psychology of attraction you know right. all the dna stuff and all that Yeah, it's, it's hard to biology. find anything about
1: psychology of attraction right. like you called it earlier uh-huh. without finding like the genetic stuff right and the, the all that.
0: chemical and the brain stuff yeah what was your last thing
1: I think the last thing I want to mention is that it's not just about looks and it's not just about the chemical stuff. It depends on how a person acts. I mean, a person's a whole package. And I read a lot about like charisma and they called it magnetism. Mm -hmm. And they said there's something called dynamic attraction where it involves like our movements and our gestures and our emotional expressiveness as well. That that is, it factors highly into what we think about a person. Mm -hmm. Listen to our Episode about nonverbals. If you would like to know more about that, but a study looked at people's choices on online dating apps like Tinder. And found that individuals were twice as likely to choose prospective dates whose pictures displayed postural expansiveness. They called it <laughs> yes. So they like huh. expanded the body in the physical, like you're like you're becoming bigger to scare away a bear. <laughs> like a is what I fit? picture. Like that. No, like, okay. <sighs> you're just like you're doing a jumping jack motion. Give me a date. I think it just means like you can tell looking at a picture of someone if you're they're confident. like doing something. Yeah. And they're kind of taking up more yeah. space Taking charge of their world. And I think that goes with the confidence thing, too, yeah. yeah. So, and they said that that made it the quality that was the most reliably predictive trait for attraction. Right. For... For choosing, not like choosing someone on a well, dating app. Well, because I mean, everybody has met
0: somebody that isn't terribly attractive, but but you're attracted you're to drawn their personality. To them. Yeah. yeah, both both maybe romantically, but also as a friend or whatever. We talk about how you know if I met you at a party, would I want to be your friend? You know, yeah. those yeah. those are the kind of people. And I think that too goes back to we always talk about self awareness. So if you're a person who is is looking for a partner, a mate. A big part of it is how confident you are and how attractive you feel. Right. Because you know, you can be aware I'm not, you know, like I'm not up on the scale of attractiveness. But you can still be an attractive person. Yeah. You know, that old stupid thing about, well, they've got a good personality. I hate that thing. Because personality is huge. Yeah. It's not like,
1: that's not an afterthought.
0: No. And your sense of humor is huge. And being, just knowing yourself and liking who you are is attractive. Mm -hmm. So you can work on your own attractiveness in that way to be more confident, to be more self-aware.
1: I like it. Self-awareness, what we always end up with. We always circle
0: back to it. Yep. It's like our stamp on the end. And
1: especially during this episode, I mean, we've talked a lot about how evolution, you know, and brain chemicals and all this stuff that we don't really have conscious control over. Right. But we can. I mean, we can have conscious control over, I mean, just learning more about what those unconscious things are. We -hmm. can have more conscious control over it. Right. So... It doesn't have to be totally out of your control. I like it. I like it too. Okay. Can I thank the people for listening? Anna, would
0: you please thank the listeners today? Listeners,
1: Sipsters, listen. Thank you so much for being here. We love that you're here. We love doing this every week. We love sharing information with you and tricking you into learning. And we we thank you. We hope you will join us next week as well.
0: And you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook all Freudian Pod, as well as our site of course freudiansipspod.com if you want to get a hold of us directly you can email us at freudiansipspod at gmail.com
1: email us lots of things and
0: don't forget yeah to email us after you rate us be sure to do that so we can send you a sticker and and questions
1: email us questions that's right personal questions questions about episodes we've done before whatever you want to email us just send us emails I like it It makes me happy
0: emails make Anna happy So keep Anna happy. happy. Yeah. We're also on Patreon if you want to support the show that way. But we encourage you also to get merch. Merch, merch, merch is merch. really cool. Check out the merch on our site. And we are Freudian Sips Pod, of course, on Patreon as well. Please remember to leave us that nice rating and let us know what you would like to know through your emails. Our theme music is Sweet of Vermouth by Kevin McLeod, And it sounds like this.